Yes, welcome to the Salam Project podcast. For the first podcast, I've got two special guests and the title of the first podcast is Pro-Palestinian Peaceful Activism versus Anti-Semitism. And the two guests I have here with me are two experienced pro-Palestinian peaceful activists, Mizan and Hussein. Assalamu alaikum. Okay, so I'm glad and honoured that they're here. We're going to make it cutting edge, yeah, yeah, we'll straight try. to the point. And we love everybody. Disclaimer. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. First question first. How did you both get involved in pro-Palestinian peaceful activism? I'm liking the way you're emphasizing the word peaceful. right? <laughs> anyway, so basically, um, Palestine has always been an issue that I was uh, that sparked a sense of curiosity in me when, when I was younger, Mike. I remember like listening, watching the news and stuff and really not understanding what the issue was about. And I think the thing that sparked it was uh, the second intifada, actually. In fact, in fact, the start of the second intifada when President Ariel Sharon went to the Temple Mount and he actually put his hand on the pillar and really it was an act of provocation. Okay, so for those that don't know, what is the intifada? Uprising, Palestinian uprising okay. um, against the occupation. Um, but... Really, when I was watching that, um, then I remember the news reporter. It was a mainstream news. I can't remember. Was it CNN, Sky or whatever? But the news reporter was saying that, you know, this is a, 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 you know, a, a land inhabited by people of the three Abrahamic religions. And can they get along? And I remember that was such a pivotal question because... I remember thinking to myself, yeah, can people of all religions get along? Like, li- literally, can they get along? And that was a whitewashing of basically what was going on. So the thing is that episode started a, a curious kind of, you know, de- determination within me to find out what was going on. And as, you know, things like the war on terror happened and all this kind of stuff, the issue of Palestine just kept on coming up to the point where I started to get involved in a lot of political, Muslim political groups. And Palestine was always something that they would be basically a- 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 active on. And uh, that's how I started to learn about it. And the more I learned, the more um, I wanted to be more active in the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. Well, for me, it started... My dad's always been an activist. He was involved in a lot of um, the decolonial movement in the in the 80s, particularly within London. Uh, so I got into it from there. It came special to me because I used to do Palestinian activism just as I do most. And then I was engaged to a Palestinian lady. So for, on a personal level, it started to get quite um, specific. And after that, I just got so obsessed with that case. It stuck with me for a long time. Um, my grandfather's people were uh, had a similar thing happen to them. Um, they don't exist really anymore as a people. They're from uh, Pontus in uh, the Black Sea. So about 100 years ago, the area was ethnically cleansed and um, they were replaced basically by... A, Strangely enough, Kurds, but it was part of the Ottoman Empire at the time. So, um, yeah, it's got quite a bit strong meaning with me. Okay. What's the difference between Zionism and Judaism? Zionism is a political ideology. Um, Judaism is thousands of years old. Zionism is about 100 years old. Um, I think it was Herzl was in the 19th century time when they started coming. At that time, there was two different forms of Zionism going on. There was some members of the Jewish community who, um, were, Jew- who were Zionists wanted to go to um, Palestine and just integrate into the country. The idea was this is 
our homeland spiritually. So similar to the, the Rastafarians come to Ethiopia, they don't go around killing everyone and taking the land. They basically want to fit in and, and actually help the people and be one. They see them as their brothers, which Arabs and Jews are cousins. Anyway, we're, we're ethnically very similar. So Zionism was the, the ideology of originally of having a Jewish homeland. This was given in the 1930s by Stalin to the Jewish people in a land called Birobidjan, which is still officially the other Jewish state. Where's this? This is actually in Russia, but it's an autonomous part of, of Russia. It's actually the Jewish Autonomous Oblast. But okay. We call it Birobidjan, which is the name of the capital, but there's, there's very few Jewish people there at the moment anymore. But in the 30s, it was very popular. America, I suppose, probably to counter Russia... Uh, or the Soviet Union, that's probably part of the reason why Britain and America were so adamant to build um, Israel. But there, there was so many different complicated issues around that as well. Yeah, um, in terms of the differences, I largely agree with my colleague here. Like Zionism is a political ideology. Um, Judaism is a, is a religion. Um, from my basic level understanding, I do know that as time passed, there were a lot of debates about what it means to be a people, especially within the Jewish community. And, you know, it transferred from a religious community to a, a na more nationalistic type mm. of definition. Um, and even within Zionism itself, um, you know, there are different forms of Zionism. So you, mm. you just mentioned one where they saw themselves really as, you know, they had a, a you know a, a group of people had like a, a more of an emotional attachment to the land, but they weren't really engaged in settler colonialism. Where they mm. wanted to go in and really erase the the indigenous population. That was something different. Um, so there are different forms of Zionism. Unfortunately, the main form of Zionism now is you know the one uh, advocated by Theodore Herzl and the Herzlian Zionism, mm. and um, from that stemmed uh, another form of Zionism, which is. Uh, the one that Netanyahu follows, um, which is more of the Jabotinsky um, uh, school of thought, which is very, very harsh. I mean, the thing that kind of unites all of them is that obviously, you know, they they believe that basically where the Palestinians are, um, basically, you know, they believe that that is also their homeland mm -hmm. as well. It's, you know, it's a homeland for their people. Um, and there are different, like I said, the different forms of Zionisms, you know, people who, who ascribe to like the form that, you know, you just mentioned, they'll go there as neighbors, really. Like as we, as people come here, they don't come here to remove other people. You know, you might have other people come here, settle down, you know, be, be your neighbor and contribute to the country, basically. Whereas settler colonial Zionism is, you know, is for me, is the most virulent form of anti-Palestinian reason you can ever come across. Okay. It's a political idea with a system that kind of supports it, that aims to remove the indigenous Palestinian population mm -hmm. from that area. And, and so, that is separate from Judaism. Judaism is completely Yeah, and one different. of the most important things is it's not, it doesn't come from Judaism at all. It comes yeah. from um, Anglo-Saxon English culture where they've done the same thing yeah. in, um, well, in this country to start with. Uh, there was a Celtic uh, native people and then they did it in the United States, in Australia, in uh, New Zealand, wherever they, they've been. And against the Maoris and the Aborigines? Yeah, against the native populations. Okay. Yeah. And um, one of the ways that they used to do it was they build colonies around the native villages and separate them, very similar to what they're doing now in um, the West Bank in particular, okay. where they're, they're basically separating the towns and surrounding them with uh, settlements. 
So in the work that you guys do, because I know that you're both very active in promoting um, Palestinian liberation and justice, do you ever work with anyone or any organisations in the Jewish community? Okay. Um, well, I was in labour too recently. I'm not a fan of Keir Starmer, so I, I left before them with the whole BOD, everyone signing and... What's the BOD? Border Deputies. Border Deputies, sorry. Okay. The Border Deputies, they're of um, some Jewish organisation that that was um, forcing the the leaders to to sign sign. Only Clive Lewis didn't sign it out, the candidates, who was running for the leadership of the Labour Party. And he didn't, he was out before the other other five. So I couldn't stay. I was already suspended anyway at the time, waiting for my chance to get back in. And I thought, what's the point if they're just going to suspend me again? So, um, but they, when I was in the Labour Party, there was a group, um, the Jewish lobby within the Labour Party was very pro-Palestine. Oh, really? They, yeah, they Jewish Voice for Labour. Jewish Voice. Yeah, they're not a Jewish lobby, sorry. Not a Jewish lobby, but Jewish Voice for Labour. But they're, 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 they're sort of, a, they're the Jewish organisation within yeah. See, we don't party. hear this side now. We don't really hear that there's a Jewish, or a Jewish organisation were fighting for Palestinians. Mm. And yeah. it's, well, it's, it's not just fighting for Palestinians. They're fighting for... They, they wanted to separate the actual anti-Semitism from the, from the accusations being made against um, anti-Zionists. And because um, they were worried, obviously, that if people start trivialising what anti-Semitism is, no-one's going to take it seriously anymore mm. when there is real anti-Semitism. Yeah. So uh, there was another group called the Jewish... Uh, labour movement, yeah. which they call the Jewish lobby, but you don't have to be Jewish to join it, and it's basically more a political lobby towards Zionism. The two different groups. This is why I, when when I refer to the Jewish lobby, I refer to the one that's exclusively Jewish, chosen by Jewish, you know, and a lot of their members have actually been suspended for anti-Semitism, as bizarre as it sounds. Hold on, so you're telling me there's Jewish people who are Jewish, mm-hmm. who observe the Sabbath and so forth, Mm. They have been suspended from the Labour Party. They're the main ones. Yeah, the main ones. They're the biggest target. They're the biggest target. And it turns out that I think the four people who have been making most of the accusations, at least three of them aren't Jewish. I know that. So it's mainly people who aren't Jewish accusing Jewish people of anti-Semitism. This is crazy. Okay, so which Jewish organisations do you work with or do you acknowledge who are working with people like you in trying to fight for the rights of the Palestinian people. Again, like within the Labour Party, there's Jewish Voice for Labour. I, I know them very well, and very, from what I know, very good people um, who mean well. Um, more on a national level, because I'm part of the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. Okay. So whatever organisations that they work with as well, and in the United States, and, and this is the other important thing. It's like. You know, one of the things that in the history of the Palestine Solidarity Campaign, slash I'm talking about globally here, is that, you know, there wasn't that much knowledge about, you know, progressive Jewish people who basically had this feeling, who understood the need for a homeland, but did not really like the way Israel was established and what was what it was doing to the Palestinians. And, you know, in the, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you didn't really hear that much until... Yeah after the Oslo Accords, basically, when, you know, things didn't really get better. And now in the States, one of the biggest pro-Palestinian organisations is, is Jewish Voice for Peace. Basically, Jewish Voice for Jewish Peace. Voice for Peace. Okay. Massive organisation, pro-Palestinian, and they support the BDS movement. And then... You and have, what the BDS? Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Movement. In, okay. in basically, it's a, it's a global call 
made by Palestinian uh, civic organizations in the West Bank um, to basically uh, tell people not to comply with Israel's oppression of the Palestinian people. It just basically means those companies that are profiting from the occupation mm. don't buy any of their products, basically. Mm. So they have a strategic mm. campaign, like the ANC, like the yeah, Af- uh, South African apartheid ANC. campaign. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, is like there are a lot of these organizations supported by Jewish, uh, uh, so mainly on the socialist side, yes. socialist Jewish groups, like Jewish Voice for Labour, there's Jewish Voice for Peace, the Jewish Network for Peace as well. And then there are other groups coming about. Religious groups. Yeah, religious groups. So there are a lot of religious groups as well. There's a lot of rabbis that understand that this is not the Israel that they believe in, basically. Okay. So, so we need to hear more so, of this. And more so this. here's the thing. And, but this is the thing that differentiates us because I'm more of the pro-Palestinian movement. You understand? Yeah. I'm more of like, look, at the end of the day, I don't really care what the state of Israel is or what it does, as long as all I care about is what it's doing to the Palestinian people. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. And obviously that's what we want to stop. Yeah. Now the thing is, so I'm pro-Palestinian first, yeah. and you can say pro-critic of Israel second. Yeah. Got it. Uh, there's a lot of people who are critical of Israel first. Yes. And pro-Palestinian second. Do you think that's divisive? Do you think that's divisive? And do you think that's counterproductive? It can work. It can work, but. I mean, my colleague might have a different opinion, but when you're the other way around, you can kind of fall into this trap that Israel is the most evil in the world. Like, yeah. you know, Jewish bankers and Zionists, whatever, like they rule the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're on the second camp, you really don't care about these other stuff. You just like, look, this is what Israel's doing to the Palestinians, which wanted to stop, basically. Yeah. So it's and more of the humanitarian... Humanitarian, political as well. Really, when you're on the pro-Palestinian side, really you're more, you become more aggressive towards their settler colonialism. Let's just be real. Like you become a real, you know, you become, you you, you know, you become an activist against Israel's settler colonialism that's happening in Palestine. Now, in that milieu, I've come across arguments of like, you know, even from the right as well and and people on the centre, it's not just always on the left. But, you know, Zionist bankers and all this kind of stuff. Um, and being pro-Palestinian, I've had Palestinian activists themselves say, look, we don't really care about any of this stuff. Mm. We just care about what's happening to our people. Mm. All these Zionist bankers and all this kind of stuff, that's not our, that's, that, that, that doesn't involve us. We don't, yeah. we don't really care. Mm. And that's what people don't understand. Being involved in the Palestinian Solidarity Campaign, they can fine-tune your activism and actually and direct it in a way that you can actually criticise Israel where it needs criticism, basically. Right, I think I want to ask as well, right, do you find, I've noticed in every activism movement, everyone that I've seen, you do have your hardliners, okay? You have your extremes and they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. When you're doing your activism, do I know both of you do a lot of peaceful intellectual activism on this. Do you ever see or come across or hear of the hardline activists who might be my my experience is I, I haven't actually within the activist circles that I'm in. I've heard pro Palestinians who who talk in just you know in yeah. the cafe or something say some extreme stuff. Yeah, but I've never actually heard it within movement. I think to actually take the time to get involved in an organisation, you have to have some level of intellect, uh, yeah, on political ideology and understanding yeah. to see past some of the foolishness and the way yeah. that they they. They push you to one extreme. To but this was about to lead to my next question because mm-hmm. I know someone who actually went to prison for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would be your advice to someone who 
wants to get into pro-Palestinian activism and they come across some of these people that try to lead them down the extreme side. And for them to go on the way you're doing, you're both doing it, is through intellectual, peaceful activism. Even the people that we listen to, Israel and the state authorities see as extremists. Mm. So I'm not really, I don't really buy into this term. Mm. Um, I, but I would say, look, listen to the Palestinian people, listen to the scholars, people who have studied this, uh, read their books. I'll try and understand and articulate what they're saying and don't go beyond what they're saying. Mm. So, you know, I would say people like Noura Erekat, even people like Norman Finkelstein, um, you know, Salma Karmi Ayub, Garda Karmi as well. And, you know, other Palestinian activists, if you're looking at old, like if you want to look at more old works, the works of Edward Said was great as mm. well. Ilan Pape as well came out with the ethnic cleansing of Palestine and really just listen to how they articulate it and try to come at it from the understanding that they come at it. And sometimes they say, they themselves, they say, look, don't go beyond what we say, like literally stay. Like where we say stop, stop. And where we say go, go. Because then what you have is you have a framework, you have a reference point. And I think for me, like one of the best articulators of Palestine in the Western world is Noura Erekat. Like she's a very good American-Palestinian lawyer and the way she articulates Israel's settler colonialism and stuff like that, it's, it's straight to the point. And I think that's the best way. Learn about it, basically engage in it from a learning point of view and then get involved. Thank you very much. Um, this is the end of part one. Part two will be coming soon. The Salam Project Podcast. Mm-hmm.